From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's guest is Dr. Richard Schuster with Schuster Family Medicine and Osteopathic Care. We spent all this time and energy developing a certain set of skills and then to be told that those skills aren't what you're going to get paid for. That's what leads to the burnout. And when you look across the board and people are given 10 minutes to have an appointment, they spend three or four hours on medical record keeping in an electronic medical record that is really a glorified billing platform. It's not a medical record anymore. What you're getting at is actually, in my mind, the leading cause for physician burnout in this country. And now, here's your Healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, where we discuss the true meaning of healthcare. Today's guest is Dr. Richard Schuster, Schuster Family Medicine Osteopathic Care. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Now, Dr. Schuster, I believe that you are first osteopathic physician to be on the show, so really excited to talk to you about that. But first, let's, let's hear a little bit about your experiences and what led you into being a doctor. I grew up thinking about wanting to go into medicine, and my senior year of college decided not to and decided to go to grad school instead. And that was a big mistake. And I decided I need to take some time off and figure life out again. And three years later, I decided, yes, I did want to go into medicine. And that's when I went back for medical school. The good part was that my original plan had been I was going to go to an allopathic school and then go to chiropractic school. And in the meantime, I learned about these osteopath people and became an osteopathic physician instead. Now, what exactly for... Any listeners out there who might not be familiar with it, what is osteopathic medicine? Osteopathic medicine is the other form of full-service medicine in the United States. There are two groups of fully licensed physicians who have unlimited practice licenses, meaning that they can prescribe medicines, do surgery, do manipulation, do whatever really is within the bound of what we consider to be medicine in this country. The allopathic group or the MDs who have been around really since we started licensing physicians, the osteopathic profession grew out of some problems at the end of the 19th century with someone named Andrew Taylor Still who realized that many of the treatments back then were worse than the diseases themselves. And he tried to understand and develop a different paradigm to understand how the human body works for both health and disease. And so as part of that, osteopathic manipulation grew out of it. But also there's a lot of emphasis on diet and hygiene and exercise and the things that we would now talk about as being a healthy lifestyle. So taking a look at the entire environment around somebody. Yes why they're getting sick perhaps, or yes. maybe why they're feeling good or different factors going into that. You mentioned osteopathic manipulation. What does that mean? So osteopathic manipulation is a different way of manipulating the human body. Osteopaths do not believe that disease starts in the musculoskeletal system, but that the musculoskeletal system is an essential component to the health of the whole system. And so when we do manipulation in an osteopathic sense, we are trying to balance how the musculoskeletal system works in regard to everything else. So the musculoskeletal system accounts for about 75 
90% of our body weight. And we could argue that every other system in our body is nothing more than a life support system for the musculoskeletal system, because that is how we live and express ourselves. And that is the essence of who and what we are every day. So if each of those systems is a support system, they all work together and they all have to work together and understanding then how do each of those things contribute to the totality of who we are as people. That's what we're doing. And so you could argue that properly using the right medications or surgery is just as osteopathic as balancing out the musculoskeletal component of the problem. And obviously not every problem is something you can address with, with a manipulative thing. If you have a heart attack, you're better off getting a heart cath done. Yeah, absolutely. So being an osteopathic doctor, um, how have your experiences in the early part of your career as a physician, what has led up to this point in time where you decided to say, I'm going to go start my own practice? So I got into medicine to take care of people. And that was the real driving force behind it. And and that was a very conscious decision. I didn't just float into that position. That was part of taking that time off to really decide what do you want to commit your life to. I started off in the military in practice. And then after that, went into private practice with my wife, who's also a physician. And then in 28 or 2008, excuse me, we went into uh, academics. And in the last 10 years, I've been in academics. And it seems to me that we are getting further and further away from the reality of the patient experience and what what's it like for a patient to enter the medical system anymore. And that wasn't satisfying anymore. And, it, and something that happens in medical school and in residency and in all aspects of our training, and it wasn't fulfilling anymore to to practice in that environment. And so a couple years ago, I started, and I don't even remember how I heard about DPC. Um, And I came across something, and you guys have asked me before how I came across it, and I don't remember, but I I called um, Freedom Health Works to inquire a little bit more about it, and here we are today. Well, glad you found us. Yes. I'm glad we were able to help out there. And, and we hear that theme a lot. Um, this the, I'm going to call it the disenchantment of somebody who was drawn to medicine as a calling. Um, very few, if any, doctors are going to say, hey, I did this for the money. Everybody's in it to help people, like you said a little bit earlier. And when that disenfranchise hits... What other options do physicians have? I mean, you couldn't have been the only one in, in uh, among your peer group that said, hey, this isn't the way I wanted to do things. So what you're getting at is actually, in my mind, the leading cause for physician burnout in this country. And when you look across the board and people are given 10 minutes to have an appointment, they spend three or four hours on medical record keeping in an electronic medical record that is really a glorified billing platform. It's not a medical record anymore. You know, we spent all this time and energy developing a certain set of skills and then to be told that those skills aren't what you're going to get paid for. 
um, that's what leads to the burnout. And, and we see that across the board. I have patients who are physicians who, unfortunately, we spend most of the appointment talking about their burnout because that's really what's driving their health problems as well. And so as a society, we have to step back and look at what is our healthcare system doing for our populace, but what is it doing to those who are actually trying to practice in it? Now, I'm just talking about physicians because that's what I know best, but I would have to believe that nurses are going through some of the same things, and something has to change. And getting back to understanding that the patient-physician relationship is the foundation of medical care and and medical practice, um, that has to be at the forefront. And right now, the only really good option that I see is DPC or there's some other variations on it out there too, but something along those lines that restores that foundation. Mm -hmm. So getting back to the root of of it, of a doctor and a a physician, excuse me, and a patient interacting together, no barriers, no people in the middle of it. And that carries through to the financial transaction as well, because Doctors interact with patients, although not very long in what we consider our traditional system. However, the finances, the abstract costs, the abstract pricing of typical system care, it's a mystery. It it is. Yeah, who knows what it is. Would you consider burnout, um, and this is kind of a personal curiosity, is burnout in your mind a workplace condition, or is it starting to take on its own disease factors in itself? Oh, it's it's taking on its own disease factors because the impact that it is having on the mental and physical health of those practicing is immense, and it is causing its own set of health-related problems. Mm-hmm. Now that you're a DPC physician, starting your own practice uh, earlier this year, actually, almost, almost a year old, and um, things seem to be going well for you, you look happier. Much. Would you say you're... <laughs> No longer burnout, happier uh, lifestyle? Much happier. Um, The funny part is there are people who I have known for 20 years who may not have seen me in a few years. And when I've seen them at a conference, they're like, wow, you look so much better. And a lot of that is better sleep, um, happier with what you get to do. It's honest for what you're doing. Um, You spend the amount of time you need to. It gets back to what medicine is supposed to be about, which is, again, that doctor-patient relationship. Now, looking back on where you were before um, in a typical hospital setting, now within your DPC practice, does your osteopathic mind kind of click through some environmental factors that you mentioned before of, okay, this makes a lot of sense of where I was versus where I am or where I want to go? Oh, absolutely. And the thing was, you knew that back then. The problem was you couldn't do anything about it. Um, because within the system, they can talk about wellness all they want, but if you don't address the underlying problem, your only option is to disengage. And if you disengage from your patients, well, that really defeats the purpose of why you got there in the first place. Yeah. People are not an assembly line. You can't measure medicine and healthcare with productivity numbers because, that's a human being. It's not widgets. It's not a car. It's not something that's just totally inanimate. You have a very intricate system, like you said, um, with all kinds of musculoskeletal, like you mentioned, but so many more that all have to work 
ideally very well together with one another to function. Now, so tell us a little bit about Schuster Family Medicine and why you started it. Um, well, not so much why anymore, but what has the reaction been? Uh, you had previous patients, are people coming over and saying, oh my gosh, this is so much better? Or are they saying, I don't like it? What are people's reactions to your practice? I haven't had anybody say they don't like it. Um, there are some who still don't quite get the model um, because they're only really familiar with the current, <clears throat> excuse me, insurance and and Medicare-based model. Um, but generally, people are happy because they can get in when they need to. When you call, they talk to me. They don't talk to the office staff. They don't talk to someone who doesn't know them. Um, you know, when if you need something, that's what we're there for. And usually we can get people in the day that they call or maybe the next day. Um, and that, that again, changes the dynamic because they know that you're there when you need it. And also, you spend the amount of time that you need. And people understand when you've got a good few people backed up, but that doesn't happen now because maybe there's one person who gets there and you're just finishing up with the last one, but you don't have a waiting room full of people anymore. Um, it's quieter, it's peaceful. And from an osteopathic standpoint, um, you know, I do have a lot of patients who just want, they, they have their primary care physician or they have their other physicians, but they need somebody to do osteopathic manipulation. And so I do a good amount of that just, and I don't do their primary care because that's not what they need. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, my practice is a little different than some of the other DPC practices. Right. Right. And so you mentioned you have a membership and you have the osteopathic manipulations, uh, just patients there who come in and use those services. Are people just surprised and awed that you're able to give them a price uh, right there in person? Say, yes, this is it. Or just post it on your website. They they are surprised at that, and um, sometimes they get a little bit confused between, oh, do I have to pay for the membership and the the OMT? And it's like, no, it's the OMT is included in the membership. Um, but, you know, there are people who are, I'm only going to see them three or four times, and there's no need for them to get a membership for that. But then there are other people who that becomes a way more affordable way of doing it. And, and in both cases, I've tried to price things – so that people can afford to come in. I, I don't want to charge exorbitant prices and I want to be upfront about this is how much it costs. And, you know, if we have to do a little bit of something extra, like an injection, we charge for the supplies. We don't charge another arm and a leg just because I'm going to poke a needle in you somewhere. Right, right. Now you mentioned that most people have positive reactions. What do they tell you when they either come in for a first visit or they, they're finally able to use you or maybe call you on a weekend, you actually answer the phone. The funniest part is actually the number of people, oh, I didn't expect you to answer the phone, or, oh, I didn't expect you to call me back. That's the most common one. Most people, the other thing they say when they walk in is, wow, it's really peaceful in here. And that's part of it too, because you've avoided the chaos that so much of modern medicine seems to have created. And... um and so those those are the comments that I get the most, um, and and I appreciate those because that's part of the environment I was hoping to create. 
Mm-hmm. Are, are they just astonished the amount of time that you're able to spend with them? I know you mentioned earlier in this episode about the time to take care of people wasn't there previously, and now you have the ability. And time is a recurring theme that we hear a lot at Freedom Health Works and in direct primary care practices that I finally have the time to care for people the way that I need to care for them. Most of my patients, the most common comment they get in that regard is, you don't charge enough money. Um, <laughs> That's nice to hear. Isn't it, it? it is. It is nice to hear. And, and I, you know, I understand that there are people who do charge more. But um, for where we're at, I, I again, want to keep it to something that people can't afford when they come in. I interestingly, I haven't had a lot of people talk about the time factor, but they do appreciate it. And as many of them said, well, I feel like I can actually talk to you. And and again, that's part about having and making a, a true doctor patient relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've also talked to some physicians and some guests on the show who show so who say that medicine is an art. And I wanted to bring that up, knowing how. Um, some of the pieces in your office, I know that art plays a, uh, a very central theme in your practice and your decor. How does medicine as an art play within what you've done with and really kind of personalize your office? So medicine is not engineering. Um, it, it is not a science. It is based in science, but it is an art in its practice and in taking disparate pieces of information and trying to put them together to understand the individual patient sitting in front of you. And as part of that, and there's all kinds of research to support the importance of the environment in which healthcare takes place and how important that is. And so in in my office, it very much exemplifies my my life history and my time in the Navy and um, the time I spent in Japan and um, even my own faith and so on. They're all part of the decor of that office. And, um, and I think that all contributes to why there's a sense of, of peace in the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, how is that start? How did that make you feel when you're able to decorate your professional office and bring all these elements into it? Decorates doesn't do the word enough justice, but all these elements combining again, keep going back to that theme of looking at the entire environment around it, the environment of healing, so to speak, within your office. Because I imagine before you weren't able to bring a lot of those elements into it within a certain type of hospital system or anything like that. So how has that element being able to customize it, being able to personalize the way or the the environment that you give care, how's that affected your your relationship with your patients? So that, that reminds me of another comment patients make. Um, this doesn't look like a doctor's office. <laughs> that might be the ultimate compliment it right is, there. And yeah. It is, and, and that's part of it. It isn't meant to be a sterile environment that's based in technology. It's, it's meant to be a welcoming and hopefully an environment that, that encourages people to relax and be able to unburden themselves. And I would love to tell you that I had a lot to do with it. I have a lot of artwork that I had collected um, and pieces that I had found in, in other countries but my wife is the one who decorated the office. So all the compliments have to go to her. <laughs> well, maybe we have to talk to her next time for uh, how to how to decorate your DPC yes, office. You could should. Be, yes. It could be a very intriguing episode right there. Um, wanted to get your opinion on 
where do we go from here? What trends are you seeing, not only within your office, but among your peer groups who are saying, hey, uh, Dr. Schuster, how's it going so far? Is this something that's available for me? What kind of trends are you seeing out there? Medicine as a profession and a practice is in a moment of transition, if not nearing a cliff that it's going to go over because it's not sustainable to continue the way that we are currently doing things. It's not sustainable for the people practicing. And I don't think it's sustainable for the patients because I don't think they are getting what they need out of it. Now, having said that, what does that mean for the future? I don't know, because that's something we have to decide as a society. Um, We cannot continue to, have the expense that medicine is and the increasingly poor outcomes in so many aspects. We have, in one regard, the best medicine in the world. And on the other hand, we're not even close to being the best in the world. It just depends on how you look at it. But what we're doing is costing us too much money and it's costing too much professionally out of those involved in it. And so it is going to change, but what is it going to look like? I don't know. I hope that it looks something like DPC. We don't need the number of specialists that we have. We have so many specialists because they get paid more. They generate more money. Um, And I'm not saying that as a criticism of any individual specialist. It's the system that is the problem. There are a lot of models out there right now of different people trying different things to bring back the integrity of medicine again. And somewhere in there, those common threads, they all have to do with reestablishing the doctor-patient relationship and removing the insurance company and the cost out of it so that people understand what it is they're doing and what they're getting. And the more that we do that, then I think the happier both doctors and patients are going to be. You mentioned integrity of medicine, and I love that line. I'm actually making notes of it uh, right now. What does that mean to you? Medicine is a profession. It, it means that we have to act professionally in a certain way that respects what we do and respects the patient and their belief structure and where that is. And it has to be done in a way that the patient can afford it and interact with it. When I say afford, I mean not just the price of it, but the fear involved in medicine. When you go to the doctor, sometimes you may know me really well. But you may also know that we're working you up for cancer and you're scared to death. Or maybe you don't know what it is and you're just scared to death. But that's it's having those conversations and being able to honestly understand where is someone coming from? What are their fears? What are their hopes? What are their expectations? And then being able to, in a meaningful way, address those things. And, and to do it at or with the kind of quality and experience and expertise that you would expect. And that, to me, is the beginning of what it means to have integrity in medicine. I like that. I like that. That was very well said. Dr. Schuster, 
Thanks again for coming by. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Last thing, if anybody uh, wants to learn more information about Schuster Family Medicine, what's the best way? Best way is check out the website um, or give us a call directly because I'm more than happy to talk to people. SchusterFamilyMedicine.com? Yes, it is. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks again for listening. If you want to learn more about direct primary care, visit FreedomHealthWorks.com. For all our episodes and latest news, visit HealthCareAmericana.com. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at freedomhealthworks.com. 